Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everybody. Quick heads up at the top of today's episode. Uh, We're getting frank. We're getting candid. We are, just like the folks on The Real World, getting real, which means that there may be some language in here that is not appropriate for everybody in the audience today. Still, it's a wild ride, and we can't wait to hear what you think. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give it up for the one and only Mr. Max Williams. Hope you'll accept our rose. Will you accept this rose, Max? Super producer. I will always accept your rose. Well, no, I'll accept your rose. Ben, I'm going to say no. You got to accept Ben's. No. What? No, no. We come as we're a unit. We're, We're a complete. We're a complete unit. That's our whole I will thing. Your rose. We're, we're that's our whole thing. We're we're a package deal on every dating reality show we do, which mm-hmm. might be why we don't win as often as we'd like. Well, we to be really fair don't. though, between the two of us, we both possess traits that make for one entire human person. That's true. We add up. We've done the math. We add up to one decent guy. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and speaking of adding up, folks. Housekeeping note, this is part two of a history of reality television. We are joined once again with a very special guest mastermind of the iHeart Next Up initiative. You've heard her on the Daily Zeitgeist, which she runs. Uh, She is working extensively with other uh, folks in the family like Will Ferrell, our pals from This Is Important. Uh, You can find Anna Hosne, in short, pretty much everywhere on iHeart. She's super busy, but she's also our resident expert in reality television. So, Noel, we knew we had to get Anna on this if we wanted to do it justice, right? Absolutely. Let's get right to it. It turns out whomever came up with the idea for The Bachelor, which you you know a ton about, Anna, they were arguably also ahead of their time. Right now, I believe that 
Empire is one of the most famous, well-known reality shows of all time. And this is this is kind of like an underhand softball question, just lobbing this your way, because I feel like you're best equipped of the three of us to talk about this. Can you tell, for anyone who somehow hasn't heard of this show, can you tell us the basic premise and a little bit about the uh, the history of it? Yeah, so The Bachelor, uh, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor Pad franchises <laughs> were created originally by Mike Fleiss, who, uh, if you know anything about him, not a good person. Uh, and and also <laughs> Heidi Fleiss, Hollywood Madame's cousin. Interesting fact. Um, oh. Grew up together in the Southern California area. So Mike Fleiss was a bit of kind of like this hippie stoner character who worked in production. He always wanted to like create a, you know, hit show, was smoking weed in his office all day and came across a show called Singled Out, which was with Chris Hardwick at the time. Yes, Nerdist Chris Hardwick. Can you believe he's been around this long? And Jenny McCarthy. I I remember Singled Out. uh, Yeah, remember famous very clearly. Anti-vax. That's that's what she's more known as. Model. You see some modeling in the day. Got really uh, found her true calling in uh, trying to keep people from being vaccinated. Yeah, and so that show involved a group of people who were basically competing for one person's, I mean, attention, love. One contestant was basically choosing between a group of like fifty singles. So the idea of like you're being singled out. So that was mm. mid to late 90s. And that kind of led Fleiss to pitch the show Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire, uh, which was his original first series where there was a rich guy who uh, turns out wasn't really that rich. And uh, <laughs> a bunch of women basically competed for his love uh, to be chosen by him. Does not end well if you guys go look it up. It ends very weird. So he was able from that show to come back and pitch the concept of The Bachelor. And if you guys ever saw The Bachelor season one with this guy, Alex, who really felt like he didn't want to be there, it was a very interesting sort of dynamic. He was able to choose from about 30 women in like a mansion in Malibu where they would all kind of live and hang out. And so this guy, Alex, had the opportunity to talk and hang out with, go on dates with either single or group dates with all these women, and by the end of 10 episodes, because at the time it was only, I think, yeah, 10 episodes, choose one of them, including being able to go, <laughs> television is wild, go to like a fantasy suite with them, like literally like choose three of them to have sex with, choose four of them to meet their families, you know, like, so it's like this kind of breakdown process of, you know, eliminating these women to get to one at the end where they had to, they end up with two and they have to choose one. And so... This was such a, like, popular, like, just format that it really popped off, which allowed The Bachelor to then do The Bachelorette, which was then a woman having a bunch of men compete for her love, which then led to Bachelor Pad, which was all these kind of cast-offs from the season, from the multiple seasons over the years, being put into a house where they, they actually, at the time, had to compete. There was a bit of a game of gamified process to it to uh somewhat big brotherish to like vote each other out and also at the same time find love that got canceled because one guy figured out one guy who's been on this uh, franchise like seven times chris he found a way to gamify the game in a weird way like he mm. broke the game and they the show got canceled which then came around to 
Elon Gale. If uh, any reality TV fans who know EP Elon Gale, you will know because he has recently created the show F Boy Island. Um, <laughs> genius concept. Put it's a bunch a of guys show? who don't yeah. want to be in a relationship like a on a dating That's show. Obviously. Oh, oh you guys don't even uh, know what's wait, out there. Wasn't that actually a, like a, a joke show on like 30 Rock or something? No, but there was oh, something yeah, yeah, yeah. eerily sure. eerily similar to that uh, that was a parody. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. But, but Yeah, so actually F-Boy Island hosted by our uh, one of our sister shows, Nikki Glazer's show, Nikki Glazer Podcast. She hosts oh, F-Boy Island. Amazing. So it's pretty great. Okay. It's great to see her on there killing it. So Elon Gale was originally a Bachelor producer who went on to create Bachelor in Paradise. So mm. Bachelor in Paradise is they take all these cast offs, the most popular cast offs of the show, put them on a beach in Mexico and basically have them fall in love with each other. And um, it's actually more, in my opinion, like a better format than like Bachelor and Bachelorette, because instead of everyone competing for one person, there's actually you can actually find love because you're meeting all these different people. And it's almost like a singles island you know, like you're mm-hmm. at sandals, you know, a single sandal sort of <laughs> vacation and you get to meet all these other, of course, all hot people because, you know, we also have a problem in this country with showing anyone who's not like a six pack, you know, wearing God. Um, mm-hmm. And so then they all compete to fall in love. And so that's kind of the the through line of all the franchises right now. And yeah, uh, of course, Elon Gale eventually left The Bachelor and started working. He was such a notorious sort of reality TV producer. He was able to spin that off into his own shows now, such as F-Boy Island, which if you've never seen F-Boy Island, I recommend. It's bad shit. I've got some exes who think I've lived it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for the record, it was MILF Island that was on 30 Rock uh, in That's 2008. Right. Predicting <laughs> the future. <laughs> That, so, I would yeah. watch Milf Island. <laughs> totally. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, speaking of things, other things that uh, people seem consumed with watching, we would be remiss if we didn't, uh, if we didn't ask you a little bit about the real housewives and fellow ridiculous historians. Anna is not blowing smoke when she says she will instantly add a book about the history of reality television to her cart. Uh, Anna, I want to thank you on air for hipping me to Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the inside story of the real housewives from the people who live it. I had no idea this book existed, but I guess it makes sense. Real Housewives is different, uh, I I guess, because it's not ostensibly a competition, right? Even though the, the principles and the characters in there seem to compete at various different times. Is that correct? Yeah, it's more of like a social competition. Uh, mm. Who's the richest and who is going to kind of be the center diamond, if you will, which that conceptually might be a little over everyone's head. But uh, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, <laughs> written by Dave Quinn, <laughs> uh, is a book where they interview Andy Cohen, the EP of all these shows, and kind of Bravo Mastermind, and Scott Dunlop, the original creator, producer of Real Housewives of Orange County, which is the first Real Housewives franchise to make it on air. And this was interesting, and I kind of I gave you guys this info where, according to the book, the producer Scott Dunlop moved from LA to Orange County to this like basically very rich neighborhood. It's called Coto de Casa, 
I don't know. I've never heard of it. It's, it's too rich for my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so basically he moved there in the 80s and he became very fascinated with, with this like rich white woman archetype, which, Noel, you were saying before the recording, the tennis bitches uh, yes. who are these women who. So conceptually, it means like women whose husbands are very rich and work and these women stay home and basically live lives of leisure. So throughout their day, they have to kind of not to like die of boredom plan sort of, you know, excursions with other really rich women. And that includes playing tennis. And I think a lot of that is also dressing up to play tennis because, you know, tennis Mm. aesthetic is very hot. And, uh, you know, they've got their kids who are like, you know, kind of these other fascinating characters because they're just like kids of rich people. So there's this sense of like disconnect because they were either raised by a nanny or like, you know, they just are on their own path. There's less sort of supervision because, why would you pay attention to your kid when you can just give them money <laughs> and be like, go away, mm. uh, don't get in trouble, don't hurt the family reputation? To that end, I was also not familiar with the, the concept of boomerang kids, but you're kind of describing them there. They're, they're basically like kids that move back in or never leave home. And that's probably yeah, super common in these kind of compounds. You know, They don't need to get jobs because there's trust funds. Um, some of them follow in their parents' footsteps and run the company, but like even so, they're still like deeply connected to their family and the family money. So our guy Scott is in this uh, this place called the Casa, and he encounters what did you call them archetypes, right? Archetypes, uh, yes. And and um, you had you had indicated to me off air that he this guy originally didn't even think of this as a reality show. No, but he just, it was just like all these characters of people to be like, huh. You know, actually it did, it he, in the book it says it reminded him of An American Family, that PBS doc series, which was about, you know, somewhat upper middle class people. So you're kind of seeing this like world of like exclusivity that you're not really able to get into, but it's like really fascinating to watch from the sidelines to be like, what are their lives like? And that's kind of what led him to create, you know, like a pilot, basically, surrounding one certain, they call her a bitchy tennis wife, Kimberly Bryant, um, who they they really like. And you know what? This is like an incredible thing because a lot of these women don't need a lot of direction. Like a lot of these people have lived in such privilege in these like bubbles of wealth that they are not self-aware. So they will do and say things that you're like, did you really just say that? Like you're so uh, like you're so out of touch. But to them, that doesn't matter because you calling a rich person out of touch. What does that mean to them? Okay, well, I'm going to go on about my life, you know, like, sure, I'm out of touch. But like, what do I need to be in touch with? I'm comfortable. I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. I don't need to actually be in touch to survive. You can like talk shit about me, but like it actually does, you know, literally like it's just words at this point. And that's the whole point. They can't be affected. Yeah. The more out of touch and bubbled up they are, the better it is for the outside world watching from the other side of the bubble. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also this kind of. One of the things I think Scott realized was with our obsessions with shows like Desperate Housewives and the OC, you had this, you could literally create this intersection of our fascination with drama, wealth, and real people's problems, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's kind of like where the real Housewives of Orange County stemmed from. And it's, it's all very, it's interesting. Bread and circuses. 
it makes me think of sometimes, you know? Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. The dawn of reality television seems to be a very U.S.-based uh, thing, right, from, from the offset. But if you look at the expansion, you see it's not just across formats, it's across other countries. Like, I didn't know this before, the Got Talent franchise started in the United Kingdom. But of mm -hmm. course, when you think of Got Talent, you think of America's Got Talent. And I still don't know whether that is meant to be a sincere or st satirical statement, because they do not hesitate from showing some train crashes on that one. I also was surprised to find... Every like at this point, I am convinced, and Anna, I'll need your help to see if this is correct. I'm convinced that past a certain threshold of success, the goal for 
almost any reality show franchise is to expand to other countries. Would you agree with that? Or am I like exaggerating here? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, with the Bachelor franchises, I've watched Australia's, I've watched UK's, I've watched Japan's, I've watched New Zealand's because I don't stop just at America. <laughs> um, and I would almost say like these other franchise, franchises in a way have almost nailed the formats almost better than American. So it's, it's an interesting thing where like they want it yeah. to expand, but you kind of get the feeling that they're like, these fucks are more popular. So I think it's still like... <laughs> They want to sell. The thing is, it's all about making money. If you can sell the rights to a franchise to a different country, that's, you know, more money in your pocket. But at the same time, there's a selfishness of wanting to be the one who did it best. So, right. And they'll, they'll, they'll tweak it just enough to make it work for that audience. You know, there's some cultural things that might fly under the radar, you know, for people in a different country based on the way we do it here. But the people that are making it and adapting it for other countries, they know exactly what their audience is. They'll take the, you know, the, the broad strokes of it. And like you said, just do a laser focused adaptation of it. And then when we watch it, it almost seems more novel because this is something that we're not fully used to. Mm-hmm. I will say, if you guys ever want to dabble in any international Bachelor Bachelorette franchises, Australia is the way to go. Australian, like the Australian imagine. version of that franchise is yeah. incredible television. I am going. I'm going to watch it then uh, because it's a recommendation from you. Uh, there, like, there are okay. There's so many other things that happen in other countries when these franchises are spun off. And they become, they they nail a format, as you said, they end up speaking in their own voice. I found some, uh, some like pop culture research on which country's version of insert show here is the one you should watch. Is the mole better in the US or is it better in the Netherlands? The answer, by the way, appears to be the Netherlands, but right on. But we've got to look at, there's this awesome article written by Elise uh, Zajowski, who talks about the the history of a peculiar British reality show-esque thing, which is their, their comedy panel shows. They're not, mm. the, the origin's not British, but I've always been fascinated by these because it's, they take, you know, like the snarkiest comedians and snarkiest comics of the day, and they put them in this absolutely fake game show thing where they're just like firing barbs and going on little diatribes. And then the host arbitrarily, gives them a cartoonish number of uh, very many or very few points. This is something that I don't know if the U.S. is going to nail. We have stuff like, wait, wait, don't tell me on NPR. Uh, Whose line is it anyway? But the last thing I want to shout out, get your opinion on, Anna, as our resident expert, Japan, game shows, reality shows. What's up with that? Why, Why do they seem so singular? So, so different. And I'll I'll be honest, so incredibly compelling. I'm hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah, So one of the sort of bigger shows from Japan, which has broken through the sort of American, you know, zeitgeist, uh, is Terrace House. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Terrace House, but it's uh, similar to the real world formula in the sense that they take like six, six or eight strangers and put them in a house together. And they have to kind of like build their friendships. And it's not explicitly a dating show, but like, you know, it, you know, people start to like each other and that leads to interactions and differences. 
And the show is shot fly on the wall. So you're literally, you don't like see, it wouldn't be like where on The Bachelor, if someone storms out, a camera follows them. It's more literally like there's cameras around the house and we watch them like Big Brother style. And then, yeah, and we get into all sorts of things going on in their lives. And then if one of the housemates decides to leave the show, a new person who is of the same identifying gender comes in to take over that person's role. And then they have a group of studio sort of like commentators on the whole time that they like cut to. And these are sort of like comedians of, I'm assuming I, they're Japanese comedians. Of course, I'm not always familiar with these Japanese comedians, but that they come in and they like talk in the background about these people. And it's like this very funny sort of like juxtaposition of these people just living their normal lives. And then you have these like commentators being like, oh, well, that's awkward. You know, it's like this really sort of silly <laughs> uh, show that has really grown in popularity in America. Also because they put it on Netflix. So uh, there it is. Uh, uh, check it out. I, I love uh, I, I don't know how deep we'll get into the cooking competition shows. Noel, you're a fan of uh, Great British Bake Off. Oh, yeah. uh, my heart my heart belongs to uh, the original Japanese Iron Chef. Uh, love it as well. I I started rewatching that recently and uh, I realized they got me. When I was a kid, I thought the chairman was like a real guy and yeah. he was just obsessed with his kitchen competitions. But that show holds up. Would you, would you guys say that qualifies as a reality show or is that stretching the limits too much? It's, I mean, it's about the personalities for sure. There, there is a competition to it, but I don't see how it's any different than you know, there are relationships. I don't see how it's that much different than a bachelor uh, scenario because it really is, you know, the same testimonials and, you know, that kind of stuff. What do you think, Anna? Yeah, I mean, cooking shows now because they're all, you know, like, and I'm going off like Top Chef, like these characters become very real to us. So like now it's like, oh, the chef I follow, you know, like I am interested in his life and what he's doing. So there is a reality show aspect to it, but I think it falls under reality competition show because, you know, they're literally competing to be named like the top chef or even uh-huh. like the iron chef, if you will. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can hear oh, But I they do like you see, it's not as much, but you do see the tensions rising and you do see them commenting on each other and you do get that sort of like in the room energy, you know, and you mm. can feel mm-hmm. it. And I think that kind of adds to the reality of it, the reality television of it all. Ooh, we're about to get to one of my favorite examples of this, which we could, I think we could rightly call extreme. So Japan runs the game, it runs the game show game. Uh, One of the things that really sticks out to a lot of people, if you haven't seen it, I think we can... um, we can unanimously recommend checking out a program called Sansuno Denpa Shonen. Again, not native Japanese speakers, but uh, you'll be able to find it. S-U-S-U-N-U. This show made its made its bones, made its name by putting people through horrible situations for the entertainment of the viewing audience. Brutal stuff sometimes. One of the most famous, the one that hipped me to it at first, is, uh, like you said, they use uh, comics a lot in this programming. Reality TV, you'll do that too, to a degree here in the US. There's this guy who wants to be a breakout comic known as Nasubi. And Nasubi signs up for this thing, but he doesn't really know what he's signing up for. 
he gets placed in an apartment, no food, no clothing, or minimal food and, and no clothing. He has no contact with the outside world except through subscriptions to various magazines. And he has to use the magazines to win sweepstakes in order to get the normal stuff you need for life, like food, water, snacks, clothing. And the the deal was if he wins enough, if he wins like past a certain threshold, he is set free from his apartment. I don't want to I don't know. Is it okay if we spoil this? This came out a while ago. The big twist. Yeah, fine. Think so? Okay. Well, spoiler alert, three, two, one. He thinks he's getting set free, and then he gets forced to continue playing the game in just a new location. He doesn't know that he knows he's being filmed, but he thinks it's going to be edited. He doesn't know it's being live streamed to the entire nation of Japan. Is that legal? Like how how far yeah, can a waiver go? To, yeah, I was about to say, it reminds me of that, uh, what's it called? It's like a, it's like an extreme haunted house, McKamey Manor, I think is what it's called, where you sign a waiver and basically like give these people permission to kidnap you, throw you in a trunk and, you know, black bag you and then torture right. you. Uh, sensory deprivation, cover you with spiders, sewage, all kinds of That guy's of, a terrible you know, person. Awful. And apparently he is live streaming that as well. Um, so, you know, no question. There's a documentary about it. But that level of extreme, quote unquote, entertainment, I think is always super sketchy. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, we've seen it in American television with things like Fear Factor, Naked and Afraid, maybe Survivor. But again, that's all big budget productions with a lot of oversight and, you know, unions and stuff. I mean, this feels like it's a lot more under the radar and potentially dangerous than, than those. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, always read your contract. Don't, don't <laughs> just sign anything yeah. without realizing what you're getting into because there is a sickness in this country and a fascination with watching people suffer. And look, I may have, uh, you know, if I had been, in Japan and aware of that show, maybe I would have tuned in. But like, I don't love it conceptually because it just feels like some sort of, it feels like a movie we've seen, like a saw. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, it might not be literal torture where you're trying to fight for your life, but he is fighting for his life. He's mm -hmm. fighting for his sanity. You're basically in solitary confinement. They put people in solitary confinement in prison for like acts, you know, for, uh, punishment and so it's like what is where's the joy that we're like ah, look at him talking to that doll and then after a while you're like wilson huh. and so on yeah now i'm just watching a man be tortured he was taken to south korea by the way that's that second twist he later went on to the world of variety television and unfortunately like so many people who attempt to be reality television stars uh his career petered out or didn't get to where he wanted it to go. Uh, he ended up being a, a well-known local comic in his native uh, his native area, which was Fukushima. And then he was also a, a dramatic stage actor. This guy just had a really tough time. He did, I saw a report where he said he remains in his words, grateful for the overall experience. And then he assures people that he, uh, the producers apologize to him later. And I don't know, man, I try to be a forgiving person, but if, 
And, and all of us, by the way, behind the scenes, folks, we are actual friends, um, Anna and Noel and Max and, and yours truly. But if you guys like told me I had to guest on a podcast and then I woke up locked in an apartment for more than a year, I would, I don't know if an apology would cut it. You'd have to at least take me to Dave and Buster's or something. That's like, you know, old boy. And that's the plot of old yeah. boy, basically. There's a really good segment on this gentleman uh, named uh, Nasubi, produced by uh, NPR producer uh, Stephanie Fu, that appeared on this uh, uh, This American Life, yes. uh, called Human Spectacle, or on the episode of, of Human Spectacle, uh, episode five twenty nine. You can stream it on their website. Uh, full name Hamatsu Tomaki. Uh, Nasubi means eggplant, so that's like his stage name that he goes through. Oh, got it. But- I am the eggplant. There you go. Mm-hmm. The idea about legality is my ulterior motive for this is not just to exercise empathy and humanity for people in terrible situations, but also to ask about the future of reality television. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's not going away. It's often cheaper to produce than scripted. And 
you know, say the quiet part out loud, things like writer strikes incentivize studios to do these things and cut some corners in the budget. But Anna, what do you think the rea- the future of reality television looks like? Are there trends we can point to? Is it still sort of anything can happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to get, because there's so much out there already, it's just going to get more and more sort of wild and weird. Uh, Sort of like how F-Boy Island exists. It's like, okay, we already have a twist on everyone competes for one person. Okay, let's have like a bunch of guys who don't want to be in relationships compete for people. You know, it's like, it's just going to get stranger. Or even like the one where it's like, is it a cake? And that's a phenomenon that came from social media. That was a whole thing where you would watch these videos where people would be like, a shoe, and then they would cut into it and it's a cake. And then it would just be like constant videos of like these items that turned out to be cake and they turned it into a reality competition show. And you'd see you see that on the surface, and you're like, this is absurd, but that show got renewed for a second season. So I mean it's it's obviously Yeah, it's very, very popular. So I think we have a lot more sort of um innovative and yet absurd shows coming our way like that because they have to keep heightening and at the same time keeping you know our interests because but how do they do that without venturing into these kind of extreme nihilistic waters that we're talking about like with this uh this this fellow in japan well i mean that's the one good thing is now there's a lot more sort of uh social accountability for stuff like that so if something is like I mean, like, even, like, The Bachelor, Bachelorette, like, they get a lot of heat when very clearly misogynistic or clear abuse is happening of the contestants by the producers. Like, they they know what everyone's saying. Every, you know, every everything. I could tweet at Mike Fleiss right now. You know, like, I can tell Mike Fleiss, hey, man, don't do that. And he's, you know, like him or his assistants, like people see these things and they report back. And that's why Mike Fleiss is notorious for tweeting stuff out like, don't worry, we will not allow this sort of dark thing to happen. And you're like, why is, you know, like they all like, you know, it's not necessarily true, but they're hyper aware of how people are perceiving them, uh, which is why you then see literally such almost like, (laughs) like, Literally, like, mentally just softening sort of shows like, is it cake? Like, mm, it's mm. such a basic, com- you know, concept of us just being like, is it a cake? There's nothing threatening about it. There's nothing even remotely dark about it. It's just people trying to guess if an object is a cake. And that is so, mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of stuff we're seeing because... That's they're hyper aware that people are going to call them a call them out. Safest option, right? That would be. Yeah. That means like you you're in the you're in the brainstorming meeting and you're looking at the options that are least likely to create a firestorm on Twitter or to. I mean, I like that, but I also want to point out the uh, the idea of <laughs> the idea of this Mike guy going proactively on social media and saying, don't worry, we're not going to let this dark thing happen. That's kind of spooky too, because it makes me feel like the implication there is that it was somehow in the cards. It's like if you go to um, a, a store and there's a sign that says, no shirt, no shoes, no service. And then below that, there's a line that says, you know, 
also no explosives in children or something, then you're like, how did that make it on the sign? Why are you proactively telling me not to was, do that? It was understood. You know? Yeah, well, I thought but, um, that was an assumption I made. You should never assume because there's years of evidence on television of them clearly doing stuff that screwed over people. So that's kind of where yeah, that comes oh, for from. Sure. It's like, oh, I, I actually have like hours and hours of evidence that you guys don't have the lead's best interest in mind. Do the people who are victimized by this, do they have any recourse or have they, you know, has there been any legal action that someone has won or anything like that? No, there's no legal action, but they can always. The, the thing is, like, why do you need legal action when you have the like court of public opinion? Public so you can just go like yep. one cast or one bachelor went on This American Life and talked about his experience. And, and he basically was like blacklisted from the production. But like he got his story out there. So, like, you don't even need to get a legal team together because now you can just write a book or go on social media or go on, like, a podcast or go on, you know, like, anything and talk about your experience. And then all of a sudden you have, like, all these people turn on you and be like, see, he was tortured. Or not tortured, but, you know, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, messed with and made to feel a certain way and his mental health suffered because of it. And the court of public opinion, I think we all know, is tough. I think the lesson here is just uh, stick with cakes, you know, like the wonderful Nicole Byers uh, uh, nailed Nailed it, it. you know, it's so good. It's just like everyone on there knows they're not good at making cakes and and we just get to watch them make cakes poorly or, you know, at varying degrees of of, of competence. And even when they do it just like barely passably, it's like, good job. But they're poking fun at themselves and they know exactly why they're on there and no one's really, you know, disparaged or made to feel stupid because that's the whole deal and they know what it is walking in or even that show um what was it floor is lava it's the simple concept of your own childhood of trying not to touch the floor and you're just jumping like furniture to furniture that's all floor is lava you Mm -hmm. just are trying not to touch the floor and it's genuinely just the most nostalgic and like simple concept you can have on a show and people love it I will say, though, there is kind of the other sort of, you know, we're obviously like left leaning people, but like there is the more right leaning side, which is the show Snowflake Island, I believe it's called, where I heard of this. It's a real thing. Familiar. It is on Netflix. Let me confirm. It's called Snowflake Island. And I didn't just call it. It's Snowflake Mountain. Excuse me. Snowflake. Of course, you can't everything. Sorry, I I watch too many like Love Island, Temptation Island, I think (laughs) now. Everything's an island, but is that is Snowflake Mountain where they have all these people, you know, more progressive or left leaning or just like not conservative people come on this show and you have like military men basically take all their belongings and then, you know, for the most part, verbally and physically (laughs) make them do tasks that are pretty, you know, uh, in my opinion, useless, because if you are the type of person who's never going to go camping, like, what is this? Ha- like, what are you having to survive outdoors have to do with anything? You know, like to me, I'm kind of like, me. yeah, the, oh, you took the city folk out into the mountain. And then also conveniently, all the city folk are people of color. And then you have all these like white military men like yelling at them. Like there is wow. clearly an underlying of like, <laughs> you know, like right wing nonsense here. Whereas, like, you should never treat someone like that. And yet here we are being like, look at these snowflakes, which is a known term that the right Uh use to describe people from the left or just liberals or the Democrats who just, like, ask for basic human rights. 
And they're like, it's Snowflake, he can't yeah. handle it. And you're like, okay, now you just called a rally show Snowflake Mountain and we can kind of see what's going on. Uh, I will say it does have the coveted 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, yeah. which is objectively kind of hard to get. Uh, you get that many people to agree. So this is where we see the trends continuing in the future. We we knew there was a lot of stuff we weren't going to be able to get to, and we're all very excited about this episode. So much so, in fact, that this has officially become a two-parter. This is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Totally. Where can people learn more about your work, more about what's coming up, uh, and where can they find you? I am at... Anna Hosnier on Twitter, and I'm at Selling Hosnier on Instagram. You can follow me there to keep up with all my shows. I tweet and post about my shows all the time. You can check out my show, Ethnically Ambiguous, which I host with Shireen Lani Yunus, which is all about being a person of color and sort of Middle Eastern news um, and other kind of fun stuff and experiences we've had. And I have the show, Will You Accept This Rose?, which is hosted by comedian Arden Marine. And it's a real nutty show where we recap every episode of the Bachelor franchises from The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise, along with recapping the foreign versions of these shows as well. Uh, and so you can go to rosepodcast.vodka. That's right. We got the dot vodka instead of .com. <laughs> rosepodcast.vodka to see more about our show. Oh, yeah. You can get dot anything if you pay for it. So rosepodcast.vodka <laughs> to check out more about that show. And yeah, I host a Twitch show every Tuesday evening with writer Molly Lambert on Twitch. Yeah, it's called Deckheads Chief Stews. We talk about Bravo. We talk about Below Deck. We just talk about all the different shows that we are enjoying. And sometimes we even talk about narrative shows that we're watching because we love shows that are truly weird, like The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. Can you believe they put that show out? Anyway, everyone's doing very interesting <laughs> accent work. We talk about it. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And you can find Ben and I as uh, human people as well on the internet. Uh, I am at How Now Noel Brown on Instagram, and I lurk on Twitter, but I don't really, I don't really tweet. But Ben does both of those things. He Instagrams and tweets. Oh, well, yeah, uh, the rumors are true. So you can find me in a burst of creativity calling myself at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N on Instagram. You can uh, get a behind the scenes look at my misadventures, some of which work out to be genuine adventures, as well as further research I'm doing. I'm at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter. Where's the HSW come from? If you know, you know. Uh, thanks for being old school there. And uh, one of the big uh, values that people get from Twitter, uh, one of the reasons Elon Musk was trying to buy at Once Upon a Time is because Twitter is where you can find our producer, Mr. Max Williams. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at ATL underscore Max Williams. In the meantime, huge thanks to Alex Williams, brother to Max Williams, who composed our theme. Also, thanks to you again, Max, for being the best super producer on the block uh, and the star of the show. Thanks to uh, who else, Ben? Who else do we want to thank? We want to thank Christopher Asiotis uh, here in spirit. Well, yeah, thanks to you, Noel. Uh, and thanks to, you know, let's just start thanking people. Um, thank, thanks to most, most that's people. That's sort of what this bit is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah most, that's, most that's our bit. Thanks, Bat Frederick. Yeah, let's just say... <laughs> 
Yeah, thanks to Matt Frederick. Uh, thanks to Eve's Jeff Coat, the one and only. Uh, I, I think we, I think we call it a day. I mean, why don't we thank Casey Pegram? Um, why don't we? Oh thank, yeah, uh, yeah. Andrew Legendary Howard. producer of Jonathan of Strickland, aka the Quister. Uh, I think I think we've done enough. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.